Hey guys, this is Alex, and welcome to the Two Dudes Brews Interviews Podcast. On today's episode, Austin and I are talking about My Chemical Romance's 2006 emo rock opera, The Black Parade. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the podcast, give us a rating or review to let us know what you think, and maybe even tell your friends about us. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the show. We're here. After many miles traveled, after many roads crossed. Is this the longest time that we've ever taken in between podcasts? I guess we're just going to start doing We're just going to spread them out. We'll be back here by Christmas, I think. By Christmas? <laughs> this is going to turn into like a once a year thing eventually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Fuck. No. Absolutely not. We'll be back in the we'll be back in the full swing of things here soon. You got a lot going on. To be fair. To be fair, that's no fucking excuse. Mm, I'd say it is. I don't like having excuses, but yeah, man, been busy. Work, moving out. Fucking, I went to Washington for a couple of days, which was sick. I'd already kind of give you my spiel, but uh, I'm showed you some pics. But we went out and saw Dave Matthews Band for three nights at the Gorge on a Labor Day weekend. It was pretty magical. The pics that you showed me of the Gorge. That looks like the most amazing place to see a show. Yeah. It's a very spiritual place. Felt very uh, disconnected from society. I bet. It was very nice. Uh, I needed it bad. By night three, were you tired of live music or were you still with it? I was still there, but I was like enjoying it like a grandpa would enjoy watching his grandkids soccer game. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes any sense. (laughs) That makes 100% sense. And it was amazing. I, I still got as much joy out of that. I was just there to relax. And uh, I did exactly that. Well, good. I'm getting old. Like, when I think about going to a concert, before the encore even hits, I'm thinking about bed. Mm. You know? Three whole nights. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely... It's a lot. We conserved our energy throughout the day. And, like, good. like the, the concert was the event. Like, that was our main focus of being there. We ended up getting, like, some good food. There was, like, a taco truck literally on the outside of, a like, a, a Hispanic grocery store right next to a gas station in the middle of nowhere that was probably, like... 10 minutes up the road from where we were staying. Were they the best tacos ever? And they were great. They were... Uh, that sounds right. It was great. I had three the first day we were there, and then the third day we went back and got it again, and I got five, and I, <laughs> I could have ate. I could have ate 10. They were, they were amazing. Like, what kind of meat was in them? I rocked the beef, the beef while I was there, but I just got, like, a classic street taco, real small tortilla, beef, onion, cilantro, a little bit of hot sauce. Like, like the only way to, to have a taco. Yeah, and it was amazing. What is it about making food? in a truck that improves the quality of food so much brings it back brings it back down to earth brother like those are just fucking people trying to make a living is that what it is i don't know man it's always so good it it was man and i had a couple oranges that were in their grocery store they were the best oranges i'd ever had and (laughs) there weren't no kroger oranges. i fucking uh actually took one home on the plane it somehow like made it through my bag like in my carry-on bag i kind of forgot it was there like i don't think they give a fuck if you bring food in was tsa slipping they were big slipping i'll put it that way (laughs) (laughs) they did not give a fuck so I, uh, I had a fucking orange on Tuesday morning at work, and I'm like, I just flew this fucking shit in from Washington, motherfuckers. <laughs> that orange traveled many miles. And it was still really good. We had a good time, man. It was very chill. You're moving into your new place. Moving into a little apartment. Had to give up on the house dream. On your own for the first time. It's been interesting. Fucking, uh, I feel exposed. I remember the first night living on my own in the apartment. I remember right. like, looking at the ceiling at night and being like, I'm really like out here. Yeah. It's just me and live yeah. now. Yeah, man. It's a weird feeling. I'm excited. 
I haven't died yet, so I'm doing something right, mm. I think. You do have a bathroom and a bed. True. And a couple dogs. Yeah. You're living the dream. I got it made. Got the basement all spruced up. Yeah, man, it looks fucking good down here. Thank um, you. Hopefully this is just the beginning. Yeah. We got to make this thing the studio. The st- it needs to be respected as that. Yeah. I'm going to be on the, the lookout for more geeky stuff. I'd be more than happy to bring some shit over, too. Like, I got plenty of records that we can throw up on the wall or something. So I need to get some frames. frames. I'd like a, a full wall of a few of the artworks, at least. Um, did I tell you that the uh, like official vinyl copy of uh, Scaring the Hose came in? Oh, they didn't? I haven't cracked it out of, the, out of the wrap yet. You've been waiting on that for, like, four or five months, right? Yeah, I think we pre-ordered out and shit. When did it come out? Did it come out in, like, March the spring? April. Yeah, so I think they were supposed to ship in July. That feels um, like it came out last year, right. in my mind. I know. Uh, but yeah, man, it's been good. Been chilling. Been well, not really. I haven't not been chilling, but zero <laughs> chilling. <laughs> no, even in my chilling, I'm like trying to figure out the spirit of life. <laughs> For me, I haven't been anywhere. Haven't gone to any shows. <laughs> I've been running lately. Yeah, man, I'm fucking. I'm happy that you're doing that shit. I can tell. I've lost about 13 pounds so far. That's good, man. Around there, I've plateaued. Right, a bit, but hey, you ain't got to fucking keep losing. But yeah, you know, like it, I don't know. You seem uh, seems like it energizes you in a way. I've been like taking like vitamin D and shit every day. Yeah, now. look at you. You're fucking. You're you're on your way. That's helped actually. Yeah, a man. lot. You do that too, right? Um, I haven't because I get enough sun typically, but it's about it's the changing of season right now, so I'm about to get back on it. Yeah, man. Good for you, man. I'm glad. Thanks. Other than that, I have officially completed the entirety of Twin Peaks over yeah, the last yeah, two yeah. months, I believe. Are you um you still down to show me? Yeah, I was, I, was, I was hoping that you would be down for that. Absolutely. Later. Fuck yeah. It, you don't have to see any of the other episodes to you'll be as confused as I am. So. Okay, good. <laughs> it's very isolated. Good. So. Did it um did it live up to your expectations? The return did. Okay. For sure. Uh, first two seasons, it's 1990. Right. It was on ABC, you know? It was like the first hour-long drama, I think. Like Everybody says like The Sopranos. It was like the one mm. that did that. But 13, 14 years prior, Twin Peaks was the first one that did the hour-long format, continuous story. It was interesting, but it was very old, you know? Right. But the return was like a little bit more indulgent. Yeah. I mean, it's like... 25 years later really i believe and the movie was good too and yeah. that's from the 90s but loved it i'm obsessed with twin peaks now good i'm already rewatching. The <laughs> that's awesome so <coughs> excuse me we're drinking um some suntory whiskey toki just like some uh, blended good shit i'm a little little buzzed i'm uh, getting there fast yeah it's whiskey this is doing more for me than three miller lights did for me i'm getting hot. i'm in a sweatshirt i'm getting fucking hot what are we uh, what are we doing today? Fucking uh talking about one of the greatest, most influential punk emo records to ever exist. It's quite the statement, but I think I agree with you. I don't think this album's sacred, but yeah, the 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 Black Parade man is uh holds a special place in most of uh, young whites hearts, I think, oh, from yeah. our generation. It still seems like it has a hold on people. I think it's timeless. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I think uh, the record kind of stands in a place in time that's like a really respectable. It's aged remarkably well. Yeah, it's partly due to the inspiration that it came from. Also, I think it like kind of defined a culture at the time. I think rightfully so. I think it like is on the heels of like the dot com boom. <laughs> that's weird to think about. You know what I mean? Like it really is. Like it's it's like the it's the youth of of that generation. This was uh, like YouTube getting big. Like I remember like watching the Welcome to the Black Parade YouTube music video when it premiered. Speaking of that, that's the other thing. The media around the record, that was something to behold. I, I still think like music videos still hold up really well. 
they look great. Yeah, they still look really fucking good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it was a music video, but it's fucking amazing for what they were working with. Like, music videos were, at one point, like, I feel like a little bit more important than they are now. They used to be so fucking cool, and yeah. they're not anymore. Yeah. And that's sad. Maybe we're just not looking at that anymore. At least I don't. I don't get, like, any music recommendations on YouTube. Mine's all, like, this is how you can have $100 million <laughs> by the time you're 45. And I feel like Spotify and stuff has kind of negated the need to go to YouTube right. to watch it or listen to a song. MTV cable is like non-existent i think the only time i see music videos nowadays is like when my brother shows them to me mm. and it's usually like really low effort like this trap shit yeah like look at this guy he's holding a he's holding a bottle of liquor and a gun yeah they're like hanging out <laughs> in somebody's house it's like how exciting yeah dude they used to put some some real thought into this into this shit the videos for this album it was a very unified vision right they knew exactly what this was yeah there was a the art direction for this record in all of its facets were extremely well thought out and planned. I think which, so too. Which I think really helps cement this record as like feeling like a um, like it was very grand for mm. even for the band. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, three cheers for Sweet Revenge is. I think I like it more. Parts of me like it more too. I think it depends on like what you're looking at between the two albums. Right. I have like some problems with the Black Parade for some reason. Part of me thinks, well, I, I think it's very apparent when you look at the band, what they released after the fact, but like they were like really transitioning out of like the underground punk that they had like laid down. Mm -hmm. And like this record specifically, like kind of like puts them on more of a, I think the influence of like Queen and Bowie. It's a lot closer to the, the radio rock that yeah. a lot of people grew up on. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. It's quite, that's quite fine. I mean, it was still informed by what came previously, but I think for me, Three Cheers feels a little bit more raw. Oh, definitely. In a way that, like, I think is a, a little bit more. And it's also not not quite the concept record like this record is either. Mm -hmm. it's, they feel a little bit more uh, from the heart. That one feels a, a bit more emotional. It's a lot more true to like the goth emo thing yeah. that they came from. Black, white, and red. Like, yeah, that was the thing. They shed a lot of the emo and like post hardcore stuff from Three Cheers on the Black Parade. Yeah, like there's there's bits of it here, but it's not nearly as heavy right. as the other record. It's and, all like ballad now. Like, yeah, a lot of um, anthemic, less less fuck you. If I am gonna say fuck you i'm gonna say it in like a bravado <laughs> like i'm gonna sing really loud you know i've never listened to the album that came after this what danger days you never listened to danger days is it danger days and the lives of the fabulous killjoys is that yes. the full title i got it when it came out man we didn't nearly love it as much as we did the black parade and it, that's where the band kind of like fell on their face and stepped away nobody really liked that album i don't think yeah i don't know it was it's a weird I don't know. The band was trying to do something different that I don't really think anybody was ready for yet. I think what they did really, hear me out. While that record is not the best in most people's eyes, which I still to this day don't think it's one of my favorites. I, I never have even thought to return to it. I think the band was kind of onto something because I think what immediately came out after this in the following years was like the 2010s. It was so... What, this like mega pop? Yeah, shit? like everything, even rock moved towards, like you have like Imagine Dragons. Yeah. Like all of like... Fall Out Boy kind of moved in yeah, that direction fall, too. Yeah, and Panic at the Disco did the same thing. Like they all moved into fucking pop orientation. And like that's fine. It's cyclical, but... It mostly sucked to be honest. It did. And it, no, no one, I never think like, dude, I need to go back and I need to listen to fucking B.O.B. and Eminem <laughs> and fucking, you know what I mean? I'm like, I need to go back and I need to listen to fucking uh, airplanes. Like, dude, I, that song fucking rocked. Like, no, no one does that. 
Oh, speaking of like Haley Williams, I think Paramore is actually the one group that kind of successfully did the big pop thing. Right. Like, yeah, they did. Tastefully. I also think like the female lead lends itself into that a lot easier. Certainly. It uh, does. I just think that's culture. But with the mega pop moving in from Imagine Dragons, all that stuff, I feel like folk, like Mumford and Sons, all that shit started popping off after that. Like you yeah. move, you moved into the folk wave. I was like Lumineers and yeah. like Monsters and Men. Yep. Shit like that. You moved into the. That was a little mini phase. Yeah. Mid 2010. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's fucking life. Indie did it too, like Foster the People and yeah. Phoenix and yeah, oh yeah, not, yeah, the Phoenix. Fuck, I forgot about them. Dude, they have some good songs. Yeah, they do. Era. They They're do. So catchy. Do you ever um? Do you ever get into? Oh shit, I didn't mean to bring this up, but like Thirty Seconds to Mars. Never had a phase with them. Oh, uh, who was the other? Who was the other band? Uh, Snow Patrol. I was. I got really into Snow Patrol yeah. in the early two thousand tens. I only know that one song by them. They got some really good songs. If you uh, if you like dig into their discography, they they've got some fucking good ones. They seem kind of like Coldplay adjacent. Yeah, they they are. They're a lot more similar to the National than they are Coldplay. Say more. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're they have some songs that I think you will think are very 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 adjacent to the national rather than Coldplay. Well, maybe that's a path that we need to take tonight. Want to yeah. break the speaker? Yeah, out. yeah. Fuck I'm, yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Fuck yeah, man. It it um yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to do like a mini deep dive, but I guess like this is what this is what I mean in terms of why I think this record is really influential because I think it came at a time that defined young people and then like fucking adults try to make it cool <laughs> and then like they like kind of like because my dad was into My Chemical Romance like my dad fucking showed me this band dude my parents liked this album right they don't like anything right exactly that's that's the point and so they took what we like and they fucking commercialized the shit out of it they fucking broke the spirit they broke the spirit of the underground they fucking made it mainstream and then fucking sucked the soul right mm -hmm. out of it dude by the time Danger Days came out MCR was like that phase was long gone. And I don't remember what the time span between those two albums uh, was. Pretty long. I feel like I was, what, 13 or 14 when Black Parade dropped? I think I was 14 when, I think I was 13 or 14 when Danger Days came out. So, I mean, like, if it was, like, I want to say 2011 maybe was Danger Days. Black Parade was 06, right? Yep. So, I mean, like, a four or five year gap from 14 years old to 17 or 18, there, there's such a huge difference. Came out in 2010. It was four years later. Yeah, seventeen-year-old Alex like, oh, going dude. back to MCR. Like, I had no interest when this when that album came out. God, dude, I'm looking back at this and like, fuck, I hate like all these songs. I only remember two songs that I have heard from him. It was the na 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 song, yeah. which I thought was like annoying, and then sing. Sing is a good song, is it? Still a good song, I think. I don't remember how it goes, but I remember it kind of sounding like a Fall Out Boy song. Yeah, they do kind of sound like Fallout on this. But there's a song called Save Yourself, I'll Hold Them Back. I really like that song. Okay. That's the ninth track on the record. That was the one I always return to. I think Danger Days might have the sickest album artwork, though. It is cool. Like the Spider. It looks like the album should be way better than it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then My Chemical Romance, like, the, the Black Parade uh, is like, this is simple. This is this is nice and clean. Yeah. Like, this should be the one that's, like, like Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> Megadeth. <laughs> Yeah, man. I guess I want to ask, like, before we hop into, like, tracks and stuff, when this record came out, like, do you, like, what was what was life like for little Alex at the time? Uh, I mean, I was in seventh grade, which is probably, like, the most awkward grade to be in. Mm. Uh, I feel like I was finally starting to realize my musical tastes around here. We kind of talked about this with, like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm. podcast. Relatively the same era, I think, mm. within a year of each other, but... 
I was already a fan of MCR when this album dropped. I got it right away. Like I watched the video. I was obsessed with this band. Like we all skateboarded to it in our garage as kids. Like it was the fucking that they were the band. Dude, you know? skateboarding to this fucking record. Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't hit skateboarding to long, long past this record. Really? That's amazing. I think- Dude, I didn't start I didn't start skateboarding until I was like a freshman in high school. Stuff like Three Cheers and Meteora by Lincoln Park were like the skateboarding mm. albums as a third year old fuck yeah man <laughs> see when i was when i was starting to skateboard like as a freshman like we were listening to like fucking suicide boys and shit like oh <laughs> we god. were like fucking dirty little shits and uh oh god those are the days imagining you listening to suicide boys is a funny thought i swear to god dude i have the highest fucking ollie you have ever seen like i, I would yeah? get that thing fucking up I was never good at skating. I could like do some things, pop shove it's like any variation mm. of a shove it I could do like cleanly, but nothing else was good. Skateboarding is fun, man. I'd, I'd still do it now if I could. I guess I could. I guess there's nothing holding me back. You have health insurance. You can do it. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm a fucking American. I pay my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> sit at home with a broken arm, get paid for a month. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, man. I think I was like in the third grade going into fourth grade when I got this record. Fucking that, early. That's dude. young. Young. Dude, my dad. Fucking. Damn. He fucking. Uh, I can't believe he fucking pulled that shit off. I think my mom was not happy that I got this record. Like, at all. She really? Like, I can't believe he got him that. And like, that's what I wanted for my birthday, man. It's so funny that he showed you. I was seven. Seven years old. I was seven. I think I liked Eminem when I was seven. Dude, that was like it. I was seven. And I was like, this is the coolest thing that's ever existed. That's really fucking cool. That's a, a young age to be into something like this. Yeah. I, yeah, I got this. I got this record, uh, I think, for for my birthday in that April. So it came out in October, and I ended up getting it in April. So I was, I was turning eight, I guess. Okay. Uh, so born in 99, so it would have been 2007 that April that I had got it. So, yeah, man, it was the record that fucking started it all, like, for me. Like, I found my love for music through... My Chemical Romance. Like, they were the first good band show. that I, like, loved, you know? Not a bad band to start with. No. A no. really good one, in fact. Yeah, man. They they were the shit. How long was this album in rotation for you, like, once you were introduced to it? Was it, like, years of nonstop listening? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, I, you know, a couple years later when we are like, all getting, like, our iPods and stuff. And, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I fucking got into Eminem and shit because I thought it was cool. I was meeting other kids and, like, some kids like rap. But when I was by myself, like, this is, I still always threw... Michael Romance on. And then, you know, from there, like, as streaming started, and I, I got into, like, indie and, and other shit, and I always, like, felt this record was a really good ground zero because you can kind of connect a lot of like you can go like you can go darker you can go lighter mm-hmm. you can move into different areas you know genres mm-hmm. of, of of music oh yeah definitely there's definitely like a certain age that you hit or like not for everybody not everybody has like the same hardcore interest in music that we do mm. but there's a certain time where you hit your taste just starts accelerating oh like it's God, like dude. non-stop discovery i feel like that phase hit immediately after this album mm. so like I kind of left right. it in the dust in a way. Like it, mm. it was, this is the first time like for this podcast that I've gone back and listened like front to back in mm. years, many years. It's been a long time since I've started it front to back. Like, don't get me wrong. I think maybe like in over the last five to six years, I may have listened to it once or twice. Maybe you know, really? I've listened to a song maybe, but, but yeah, man, like still, I really fucking held up. It was really impressed. I, I think the mixing for me, I was like, God, it's like still sounds really fucking good. It did. It sounded great. Like three cheers. There's some spots on three cheers that like get really muddy. 
Like there's there's a couple spots on three cheers that I was like, ooh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. but you can kind of get away with it. It's a little bit more underground punk, more it's kind of the charm of that record, right? In a weird way, like so much fucking distortion. You know, this record, like listening to it with a little bit more of a critical ear that I've developed over the year, I'm like, God damn, like I've never really heard this harmony kind of stand out kind of like this, you know, before mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like that's the Queen influence. I'm like, okay, that's where that comes from. There was a surprising amount of variety or like influence on the songs. Like I felt like each mm. track has its like own unique flavor. And I don't just mean the song sounds different, but like there's a legit different tone going on like from track to track, I feel like. I think for me, one of the hardest things that I, going back and listening to, I was like, I guess as a kid, I never really had the knowledge to discern track to track. I'm like, oh, it's just a record. There's a fucking piece of art on the front and it's, it's an album. Mm-hmm. I, like, I here's don't. Here's track one. Here's right, track two. Here's what, this is what it's called. This is what it sounds like. And then now going back, I'm like, okay, there are a lot of things going on here. And I think at first I was like, oh, this record is not focused whatsoever. These fucking idiots, I can't believe I like this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. You're an idiot. (laughs) Shut the fuck up for a second. Like, they're doing something here. Shut the fuck up. I think it's pretty uniform. Right. Like, from track to track, even with that variety going on. Right. I think um, a lot of that has to do with, like, the way we open up with the end. It's it's folk. Or not folk, excuse me. Like, there's an, a, there's an acoustic guitar that leads us in. And then, like, deep into the album, like, when we get down to, like, Disenchanted, that comes back in. And, like, there are breakaway moments throughout the album where that's still there. And then you have, like, piano ballads. And then you have, obviously, like, the full-blown rock, you know, emo punk. Yeah, man. Let's, let's listen to some songs. All right. We can get into the thick of it. Uh, dude. The end. Yeah, man. The end, um, well, it's the beginning. <laughs> Great fucking intro track. I love this one. Yeah, man. I love when tracks are basically one track split into two two parts. And the first two tracks being the end and dead. I feel it's, like I can't a, have one without the other right. in a weird way. It's an epic way to open the record, which I think for a long time I always thought Welcome to the Black Parade should open up the album just because it's like, oh, it's the title of the record and it says Welcome to the Black Parade and then you're like, track four in the beginning does sound like an intro to an album to right. be fair right you know it always kind of threw me for a loop but now I, I think this is more appropriate just because i think i think this like opens up the record into like the spectacle there is a spectacle involved like even though the record is like dark and, and looming and, and emotional and still has your like your punk emo influence like there's something very grand about the record and i think mm. these first two tracks like really are a good introduction to what this record will be. And then they also like, like kind of like ties off from three cheers. Like they're still in their element. And I think is a nice little soft exposure to what we're going to dive into. This track is fucking awesome, dude. Beginning with like the acoustic guitar, the EKG flatlining. Yeah. And I know that it kind of like leads us into dead at right. the end. I love when, well, for one, when the electric guitars come in and it hits like this big grand, like yeah. this big band feel super epic. And then when it fades into the second verse, there's like this weird moment where it kind of gives off a barbershop quartet vibe. Where there's like <laughs> these, these harmonies kind of float in and there's like finger snaps all of a sudden. Mm. Like those nice little touches. Right. I love that. I think what's really important that I, I think that really needs to be talked about, like the, essentially the spectacle, the theatrical element of the record. It's like, okay, this is the start of a story. This is our main character being a patient uh, that's dying of cancer. Like Gerard Way will take on, the lyricism will take on many characters. So like, in, for instance, the first 
few lyrics are, Now come one, come all to this tragic fair, wipe off that makeup what's in his despair, throw on the black dress, mix in with a lot, you might wake up and notice you're something you're not. Essentially, he's bringing in, everybody gather around the bed. It feels like you're opening a storybook almost. Right, right. It feels like... It's like uh, a prologue. Yeah. Like it's, the it's announcer like, coming on, like, this is the show you're about to watch. And there's there's mockery involved, too, I think. I think the punk lyrics lean into with, like, so gather around Piggy's hand, kiss this goodbye. <laughs> like, I'd encourage your smiles. I'll expect you won't cry. Like, you know, it's making fun of the whole process of death. Mm, I see. Like, it's like, I always have this really weird feelings like at funeral parlors. It's like some guys like, oh, wow, can I get you a water? Oh, like, can we have the family come up here? Are you going to the, the site afterwards? Can we put this little flag? I'm like, I'm like, fuck you, man. You're getting paid. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, man. Yeah. I'm like, this is, this is their, this is their mindset. Okay. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Uh, this track borrows very heavily from David Bowie's song, Five Years. Yeah. The way the track fades in with the first verse and then the refrains at the end where it's mm-hmm. like, save me, like that repeated melodically, it's straight up five years, David Bowie. Not saying that is a bad thing. The great track to borrow from. And that's also the first track off of Ziggy Stardust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like seeing some Bowie influence. Big on that. Yeah, I guess um, younger me could never even know what it meant when this record came out for like the influences that it that it had. But now I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. You, it, you see those flavors now. Yeah. It's a spicy. It's a spicy <laughs> flavor. <so> spicy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dead, which comes on the heels of, of track one. Yeah, um, perfect transition between the two. Yeah, it's the best. You can't have one without the other. So with this record, Gerard Way will, this is what I mean, like when he, as first as like, uh, he's going to take on many roles. Like there, like mm-hmm. there's almost like a, there's almost like a play. I almost feel like they're like Shakespearean. So he's going to take on um, Mother War, The Patient, and The Doctor, which will set up the rest of the album. From my understanding, this track specifically is kind of like the patient getting their diagnosis and like the whole you're dead thing basically meaning like life's over. Yes. Am I reading that right? Yeah. There's a two week... Like that's battle with cancer and he's gonna die yeah so which i guess like in my curiosity it's like i guess as a patient you would start thinking about humanity your life acceptance of death which i think that's all the themes that are like tackled on the record so god i've like really grown at like a really deep appreciation for this record <laughs> reminds me of mars Volta. i was thinking that too yeah like the the journey that right. you take in this weird mental space yeah but less drug influenced <laughs> And fucking rat poison and shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is such an energetic song. Mm-hmm. It is right out of the gates. Probably has like the most interesting guitar work on the album for me, really? at least. Yeah. I, I think. <laughs> There's a lot of like unexpected blues influence. Oh, on, yeah. Like in the soloing on this album. I don't remember that being on Three Cheers. No, 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 no. Like not even like hints of it from what I remember. No. I think this record has like a lot of like barbershop flavor. Like a lot of like uh, ragtime. Yeah. And like some carnival flavors too Mm -hmm. later on. Mm -hmm. The verses are super dynamic. The guitars jumping all over the place. These palm muted guitars like expanding out into these like little fills. It doesn't feel like it's ever like really playing the same thing each time the verse hits. Yeah. 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 It's like a really nice pace. I guess the structure of the song doesn't really feel like it's like, okay, we're going to verse, verse, chorus, verse, verse, chorus. It feels like there's a, 
a natural lot. momentum. Yeah, like it's they're like flying through these sections. There's like a marching involved. Like there's a yes. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but oh, oh, tie in. Oh, oh. The amount of like dedication and like things feel so intentional. And I think this is one of those moments where it's like, okay, yeah, it's like the first two tracks, but they still stand in the theme of the record perfectly. Again, like the momentum, the marching, the natural progression of the song feels like feels like it's tied into like the marching band persona that they had during yeah. during the I feel like I can visualize it right. when I'm listening. Right. The solo is fucking awesome. Yeah. Do you remember this being on Guitar Hero 2 yes. back in the day? Yes. It was so fun to play from it, what I remember. Yes. When I got into playing Guitar Hero after we were playing Rock Band for... We were fucking playing Rock Band every fucking time we hung out for a long fucking like time. Like six months straight almost. <laughs> it was awesome. It was fucking great. Um, when I was playing at home... I was always playing my Chemical Romance songs because they are, they're just fucking fun to play. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. These songs are like still really fun. <laughs> like no matter how dark they get, they're still really fucking fun. Even years later, as a 30 year old man, there's a weird rush of dopamine I get when this song comes on. It feels like drinking a cup of coffee immediately. Dude. So we moved today and I took an hour nap. I was fucking sweaty and gross in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and I fucking took a nap for an hour immediately got up and I put the record on and got in the shower and as I was wiping away the fucking film of disgusting on me I emerged from the shower a new man while this was playing <laughs> and I'm sitting there in the mirror I'm like if there was no one in this house I'd be fucking yelling like I am fucking I'm on cloud fucking nine with this record right now and I was here for it it's weird too because I was kind of worried about this podcast mm. a week ago because it'd been so long since I'd Felt the need to listen to MCR. Right. Olivia plays their songs all the time. Mm. Every time we're in the car together, I hear them. So this album was hitting me like a brick wall at first. Like it was, there was no connection between me and it mm. until like two or three nights ago. And all of a sudden, that headspace like just came back all of a sudden. Right. And it felt good. It did. It feels really good to to like this album a lot again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you know we we talk about it a lot where. Oh, you know, I threw this in rotation. I've heard it a million times. But, like, even you said to me, like, I threw fucking Radiohead on. I'm like, fuck yeah, you did. You fucking threw Radiohead on. Like, I haven't had a Radiohead phase in a while. You know, it's like, when you catch that wave, man, it's like you, you have to let yourself indulge. You really do. Because it's hard to go back to a record and have the same love you had for it when you, when you first were introduced mm -hmm. to it. And so when you can catch that and you can catch the love for something that you've you've had for a long time like it's it's fucking special you mm -hmm. know it's like a, a long a long relationship long marriage <laughs> <laughs> you haven't had sex in 10 years <laughs> you fucking throw a wig on that bitch you're fine <laughs> 10 years no i don't know i think i lose patience before then <laughs> yeah well you know you gotta do what you gotta do true uh, bust out the lube baby we're doing butt stuff <laughs> sorry sorry we're drinking whiskey <laughs> this is a whiskey podcast <laughs> Uh, I love that when the solo ends, we're kind of counted back in by Gerard, where he goes like, one, two, one, two, three, four. Right. And we do this refrain with uh, these la-la-las for the a while. fucking millennial whoops. Yeah. If I had any complaint whatsoever, I would just shorten this la-la-la section a little bit. You don't like it when it keeps going? <laughs> and it keeps going, a motherfucker! <laughs> It's like a minute straight of that. It is. This should be a two minute and 15 song. Right. Or 15 second song. How long is it? Three-ish? 315. 315. Cut 40 seconds. Yeah. Maybe 30. 
but it also is like yeah you you can kind of get away with that because it's basically one track split into two yeah. so it's, it's already like a six minute track i feel like we we immediately move into more serious territory with the next two tracks so maybe i can forgive that a little bit more speaking of which this is how i disappear good track excellently might say i might say that phrase a few times you know, this is the one on the record that reminds me the most of Three Cheers. Yeah, era. it does. It does a lot. There's a lot of like metal influence flying through on this one. I, yeah, it reminds me of the deep cuts from Three Cheers a lot. I was thinking like Thank You for the Venom. Oh my god, I fucking one. love that song so much. It's like my favorite from that record, I think. Yeah, that one. I think I'm right there with you. This is how I disappear is like a weird fucking track. Because I think, like, the tone of the actual track itself is a lot different than, like, the theme. Like, it's, like, very, like, in-your-face, but then it's the actual theme. It's, like, I need somebody to remember who I am. Apparently, it's about the patient reaching out to a former lover, you know, stating that without her, no one's going to remember who he is. Mm. But it's, like, the way the track is delivered, it feels, like, quite opposite. To me, it comes across, like... It's way more menacing for right, musically. Right. It's, like, I think tonally it almost comes off like a breakup track breakup track like this is how i disappear like from your life yes so here let me you know let me pull up some that without you is how i disappear and live my life alone forever now and without you is how i disappear i feel like if you put this track singled out by itself it's like a breakup song now i can go live my fucking life i can be who um, i am with the context of the the patient stuff it brings a little bit more deepness to it right spams that theme is this like one of the catchiest choruses on the album this is an album full of catchy choruses but i find this one like repeating in my head pretty often i think it's pretty catchy i also don't think like this is one of my favorite tracks off the record either same i think and i think partly because as the album expands out i think like this is a really good way to again it's the front half of the record i still feel like a lot of it is uh, on the heels of three cheers my favorite parts of the record are the expansive parts that the band was transitioning into where I think this track is, I feel like this could easily fit on three cheers and like, I wouldn't like bat an eye. I think so too. If you'd like down tuned the production, a right. tiny bit, it would fit right there. Right. Um, the little runs that it does when it's like transitioning from pre-chorus to chorus, the drums are like really doing some heavy lifting here. Yes. Like it's like awesome. Cause I don't really think of MCR as being like a drum band. No. But, I mean, it sounds great. Technically, it's impressive on this one. I don't know that I've ever really considered them an anything instrumental band because I think Gerard Way, being the front man, just kind of lends itself to this is the singing band. This is the vocal. Yeah. This is the vocal delivery. But I think um, there's some really good moments that in my younger years, I definitely could never appreciate until now. Yes, Gerard, he is so anthemic and theatrical with his performances that I think he can really like cast a shadow on everything else. Mm -hmm. And in the moments that are more somber and mellow and open, like piano ballads and softer moments, they just feel like Gerard songs. <laughs> so they really it's, do. You know what I mean? So it's... And the mixing is doing that too. Like it's right. a very vocal-centric mix mm -hmm. as well. But uh, yeah. I think The Sharpest Lives, I think it still sounds like Three Cheers, but I think <laughs> I think I love it more. I think I like this one less than How I Disappear. Really? I think so. This one actually has the stronger chorus, but I don't like the verse on this one that much. There's that place. I love that. <laughs> I think it treads the line between goofy and like hitting the mark. And it's right. like kind of slightly leaning goofy. Right. For me. One of the one of the things that I think about 
this track specifically, I think, is like the most androgynous that he gets on the record. Like he does like these little weird giggles and almost like moaning sounds in this track. Like he does it at the end, and there's a little bit of it in yeah. in between yeah, okay. the verses. And so is it, that it, him? Yes. Oh yeah, that's him, buddy. Like those little uh, those overdubs. Yes. Like the giggling. I did not know that was him. Absolutely, it has to be. I mean, it would check out, but huh? I never it, thought it, about that. To me, I think it definitely sounds like him. Yeah, I think it's like the way it's pitched. I'm like, oh, okay. I think this is definitely a, a male, a male voice. That's why I think I kind of give it the lead way of like you're speaking about the goofiness. I'm like, okay. I think he's like really leaning into it. I think that's why it kind of works for me. Like similar with like um like JPEG. Like when we talk about J- like completely fuck, we're on fucking polar ends. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, he leans into the fucking goofy, and you buy it. I think like this track specifically is like a really fucking goofy track in the middle of. Otherwise, like a very serious record. Yes. So it can kind of come off weird where I think it like that's why it leans more towards three cheers because three cheers, three cheers gets goofy, but you can get away with it more. It does. It's it's dirtier. Like this record's like really cleaned up. You know, I feel like 90% of the time this record's like really sharp Mm -hmm. and punctual and poignant. We're executing a vision. This track kind of feels a little bit off the rails. It's weird that it's not vibing with me 100% because like I'll give a pass to uh, something like Golden Years by David Bowie. Mm, where, like, right. Like, golden Years. <laughs> it's so goofy. And it's got like, yeah, it's like the weirdest fucking key. Uh, yeah. Like, all the overdubs are right. just like stupid sounding. Dude, that comes on at work every once in a while, that song. Really? Yes. The on radio? the radio. It was like, there was a stretch of time at the beginning of the year where that was on and I was like funny enough did you know when he made this record he was on Milk and Peppers <laughs> he weighed 90 pounds uh, and everybody's I, like what the fuck are you talking about I've I don't never, even know this song I've never heard this that song on the radio and it's it was ever. bizarre that's crazy it's fucking bizarre um, but yeah I don't know just a personal thing it's just not vibing with me 100% and that's fine the chorus is awesome. Here's a shot to remember, something yes. like that. Like the way it rings out without the instrumentation for a moment, it's so awesome. I think one of the reasons why I love the track itself is that I think it has like these really nice breakaway moments in between in between verses and choruses where I feel like there's a lot of momentum that's being built and and then you have like these goofy moments with the giggling and the laughing. I don't know. It just vibes with me. It's the the little bit of the the kiss of emo punk that's like dirtier that I uh, like I think kind of mm-hmm. like Fills the need that this record will kind of abandon moving forward. Yeah, this is kind of like the last hurrah going into the the semi-title track. Some of it will come up later, the the punk, but I think it's more in line with... We'll get there, but Mm -hmm. I think it's more in line with the record itself. One last small thing on The Sharpest Lives. The CD skipping quality of the, the guitar riff... Whatever is being used in the intro and the outro, where it's like, Tame Impala used this on Let It Happen, the opening track from Currents, I think. Like the CD skipping quality of the guitar. Like, I think that's unique. It's like a chugging, like a chug, 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 chug. I've always enjoyed how cheeky Gerard is with the the phrase, the, why don't you blow me? Like, so, why don't you blow me? Like, giving a pause <laughs> yeah. before hitting the next line. Yep. Like, I always thought that was so funny. Like, even now. Welcome to the Black Parade. I think this might be, like, one of the greatest songs ever. I think I see why it got the success. I see why an adult would be like, I can do that. Dude, this track screams bohemian rhapsody yes all day yeah that's immediate thoughts and i never have really oriented it that way in my mind neither have i 
But when we just listen to that, the mix, I'm like, no, that's Bohemian Rhapsody. That's what that is. It was a multifaceted, sectioned out song. A lot yeah. of ideas. It feels really weird to put it in that frame because it's like, oh no, this is punk. Now I see it more for kind of what it is. It feels like the punk is like the last ingredient in the song. That's yes, true we're, we're, for the whole album. Maybe. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the structure that like it really shined for me. Yeah. In the mix that really shined. Like the actual clarity of the track itself and the way it was delivered in my ears was the most important piece of the, of the song. This is the first track that like kind of lets itself develop. Like the mixing feels like it's on crack on this one because right. we're starting with single piano notes and like right. slowly cascading into the more epic shit. This might be like the marker in the sand where it's like, okay, here, moving forward, we're going to branch out a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong. We contract at certain spots, but I think like the first two tracks are a nice, gentle, brief introduction, which I do think those tracks really expand well. They're multifaceted in their own ways, but then you get sharper slives and and, or, and then this is how I disappear. Those feel like really compressed. Yeah, those classic like MCR songs. Like two like regular as songs. Right. And good, then, good ones, but of still. course, tracks like this, you're like, okay, well, first and foremost, like one of the greatest music videos of all fucking time. And then the fact that I felt like I saw the commercial appeal for the first time because I, it like still stuck with me and like it came across as like a quality track rather than like appealing to like immature adolescent emotions i kind of see why they they made their mark that they did now it feels like um really mature for what otherwise could be like knocked off as a really immature genre i mean the jump from three cheers to this is honestly remarkable like in terms of scope and ambition i think like three cheers had honest to god like some of the same potential that like this track kind of cap or excuse me this album capitalizes on and so yeah i think um like tracks like ghost of you and um helena i think like tracks like that are um was that their first stab at this yeah like they're kind of i think those are yeah yeah you know what i mean i've always felt like the singles on three cheers like sound so far ahead of the deep cuts Mm -hmm. even though i love the deep cuts right stuff like helena ghost of you i'm not okay right like those felt like the they were more anthemic the, the first step to right. this that makes a lot of sense you know like don't get me wrong like when they're off the rails on that record fuck yeah but um <laughs> i think I, I i don't know i see the track in a way that i i the tom run and like you can barely catch it like you, you know it's like you gotta want to pay attention to it but when it's there it's like super clear because you can get lost in the damn those drums sound so good they were really fucking crisp i love the tuning of, of the drums or like um the toms are really fucking soft like mm. really nice and soft and mellow which like I, I hate when toms are like really snappy like when toms are snappy fucking count me out <laughs> you know what i mean like that's what your snare is for like your tom should be low end right like in the mix right yeah is it a controversial opinion to say that like the verses and chorus are like the least interesting thing to me on this one like the yeah. the bass song is like the most vanilla the window dressing is like the bread and butter of this right. track. It's so fucking good. I, I I completely agree with you because don't you feel like, I don't know. I feel like me personally, the lyrics are like, it's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the, like the visual imagery that they're trying to paint for you mm-hmm. is really fucking cool. And obviously I think like it's even more 
influenced when you're watching a music video and, and, and all that shit. But yeah, when you're just like trying to listen to the actual track itself, it feels... I so closely associate the track with the music video because mm-hmm. that's how I consumed it as a child. But when you listen to just a song, yes. I don't think I've ever appreciated a mix quite like I saw that. Like, that was good. Like in the intro? Just the whole mixing of that track was like really special. It really is. I think... On this most recent go around, listening to this track specifically, the verses and the chorus, they seem like an overly caffeinated version yeah. of the track I want. Like, right. I wish they're, mm. they are rushing through these verses and choruses where I'm like, slow down. Like, I want maybe a few more lines, like, before right. we jump into the chorus. Not know? to mention that, like, the pacing. It gets so fast. Yeah. Not to mention, like, this is only a five minute track. I want seven. It feels like it should be seven. Right. But it's also like you would have to cut up a radio mix. I think that's why this song is so fucking popular, though. Mm. When it did play on the radio, I remember the edit was that they, during the intro, like the when I was a young boy, mm. it skipped the second go around. Like when the rest of the instrumentation jumps right. in, it would just go, it would do the piano intro and then straight, straight to first one. It, right. Sometimes sure. I get that feeling. That, that, they probably shaved off like a full minute right. for the radio edit. Oh, the second go around on that section, like... Yeah, man. You need we're, that. We're building into the... Like, that's the best part. Like, to yeah. me, like, that's where... Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, the uh, nice little uh, piano motif is, is is amazing. But when you're literally introducing the marching band, basically, mm-hmm. it, it feels like a performance. Like, yeah. a, a true display of what the track is being the Black Parade. Yeah, like somebody starting the show. You have one instrument leading in the rest of the marching band, and then you you have calls about the marching band, mm-hmm. and you have I don't know. It felt it was very cohesive, and also like I don't even know that I give a shit about the lyrics. I don't even know mm-hmm. that, that that's what I care about. It's, it's the, the structure. Yeah, this isn't my favorite MCR song, but I think it's their most like musically accomplished by mm-hmm. far. Conceptually, from a lyrical standpoint, I think that I saw it explained that Gerard Way sees death comes to you in the form of like your fondest memory right like this is the memory of the patient like their fondest memory going to uh this parade i think that's an interesting idea i don't know if i have a fondest memory yet i don't know like a tie death to that i would have to think long and hard about something like that we can talk about it later (laughs) we we will absolutely get there i can see it already oh good god uh do you have any more to say i think i i think i really the outro is great i love like the little lead out that the song has. I mean, that shit's awesome. The timpani rolls on the on the snare. Great stuff. Even with the complaints that I had. I mean, it's this is like an an all-time song for the band. Oh god. What a song, dude. This might be my favorite it's, on the album. This is like for sure my favorite track on the record. Like <laughs> this song um I could play this song all day long and not get tired of it. I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but riding on the heels of Welcome to the Black Parade. I think it still like has the same mix quality of that track. Like obviously less grand, but in an intimate way. The pieces are all moving together right. in, a, in unison. It's cool like in terms of like uh, the way it orients itself in the story of the record. But I don't know. I think this song like to me really stands out on the record because I think it kind of emotionally, you know, in the performance uh, feels a, extremely intimate in a way that like, I think it really speaks to the listener. I, know? I agree completely. This is the one that actually connects on an emotional level at the age that I'm at now. Right. You know, this actually feels more adjacent to like other stuff that I like. This is a formula that when done right, the the sentimental tone, the explosive chorus, like it's anthemic, but it feels nostalgic. 
brings feelings of nostalgia to me listening right. to this track. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, dude. This is this is a lovely song. Have you ever seen the music video for this for this track? I have, but not in a long time. It's very it, strange. Like it's like the black and the white, like the guys painted black. It opens up with a shot of a tree. Right. Right. And they're okay. standing under the tree. I remember that for sure. It's a weird music video. Very, very weird. It's hard to I think this is a song that's really hard to make a music video for. I feel like when I was younger, this was like not one of my favorite tracks. Not even close. Oh, this was one of my favorite tracks for sure. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I've turned into such a such a soft boy. This track was like uh I liked it because my fucking parents were getting divorced. Mm. You know, my parents were getting divorced. I was like, I was trying to like, trying to like understand that shit from like a young age. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I, ha- I have no way to orient myself in terms of trying to understand uh, why somebody would not want to be with somebody anymore. You know what I mean? So like when you're, when I was younger, it's like trying to figure it out. Yeah. Which is like awful. still hard to figure out as an adult. Like, yeah. Like thinking about you and your partner doing that. You know? Yeah, and I also just think, like, we had said something earlier about it. It's like, dude, some people just, like, aren't meant for each other, and they just, like, end up having kids. Like, like that they think that's going to do something. That happens more often than people fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, by far. Yeah. It's fucking, um, it's weird to, you know, I shouldn't, like, never have put that shit on myself when I was younger. But, you know, when in the moment you're like, okay, I need to solve this problem yeah you know, that's an unsolvable but i don't know i think i like i think i love this track too because even though like i'm not in some stage of heartbreak it feels like it can really take you there it really does <laughs> <laughs> i've uh i've been listening to this album on my runs the last week yeah yeah you did and uh for some reason it seems like when i come back home I'm always on this track and I come down to the basement to do like burpees and shit and like push ups or whatever. And like I always stand on that mirror like fucking mouth the words. Like I'm like fourteen years old again. That's the corniest shit ever. But I like fucking love that. It brings me there. Right. Weirdly. Yeah. Very few records do that to me. That's the strange thing about this record. I noticed like it brought out the fangirl in me. It's been a long time since I've felt that way. I've not been romantic about MCR in a decade. Right. Or longer, maybe. Right. There's another track on this record that does this to mm. me later on. We might be on the same page about that. Do you know what song, what other nearly perfect song this reminds me of? Yellow by Coldplay. Mm. This sounds like Yellow by Coldplay. Like, or the intro oh, does. You're right. You're fucking right. The way the riff chimes in and like the instrumentation joins it, it feels like that moment in Yellow. Right. And it feels good. Yellow's a... <sighs> I love that song. You know, I actually listened to that record on its own for the first time really? in my entire life. I like Parachutes. And I was like, oh, I see why they got popular. Like, mm-hmm. I see it. That's like a really tender album, honestly. It is. I'm excited to, like, kind of orient Elizabeth in a direction like that. Kind of, like, bring up, like, old records and stuff like that mm-hmm. that I used to love. Because I think she will appreciate them. Now, I, she does, like, some Coldplay songs and here and there. And I'm like, we need to, like, open up, like, the shit that you missed. That era of Coldplay is actually really great. Like I think underrated. The, I think the whole era we're talking about right now, like of like I think we mentioned to it earlier in the podcast, but like Snow Patrol and like you know, Coldplay, the adult contemporary yeah, like man. soft rock bands. Yeah, man, they were like the National is one of those bands. I yeah. mean, they were they were a, a lot more underground at the time. I yeah. think, but you know, a similar vibe. Right, lean into it. Right, it's the the nineties. It's like it's like Midwest emo before it got cool. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of makes sense. It's like it's 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 before all the 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 woes and the and the groaning of the you know what I mean? Like uh what's a what's a good song like uh the stuff you're talking about is more geared towards like the forty year old man. That's the this is the Midwest emo for right middle age. Right. Snow patrol. Well there 
the national. It's their kids that the generations right below that they end up making the the fucking punk. Yeah, they make the the punk out of the genre. It's a really simple track though. It is honestly. for sure. Like it's so it's so bare. I will say I'm so glad they gave like a great solo to oh the ballad. God. Dude, the solo feels like it's speaking to my soul. Ugh. Because the song really allows itself to have that moment. We've been cascading into something that of a release, like like the topic itself, the tone that we've started off with, and it's like, okay, let's just like push this fucking solo in your face <laughs> and like make you feel. What did this guy do when MCR was split? Like their mm-hmm. guitarist. I know his name's something Toro, like Frank Toro, Ray Toro, maybe. I dig his style on this record, and I want to know what he was doing when, like, the band was not a thing anymore. Like, there wasn't really a MCR leftovers. Where were the side projects, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, Did Gerard Way have a solo record? Ray Toro and Frank Lero. Yeah. Yeah, these guys sound great on this record. I'm digging the, the schmaltzy, like, 80s schlock that they're bringing here. Yeah, man, you should see the picture of this guy. You would think 80s schlock. Look at him. Looks like fucking Slash. He does. Um, that makes a lot of sense then. It's like romantic Santana mixed in the middle of fucking uh, an emo punk song. Yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre. An interesting fact that I just learned reading on Genius here. It says, I Don't Love You is the sixth time that the band has made a music video with director Mark Webb. And I saw that name, and I'm like, I've seen that name. I think I've seen movies by this guy. And he's the dude that he directed 500 Days of Summer, and he directed the first two Amazing Spider-Man movies. Really? Yes. The fuck? Which is bizarre. It is bizarre. And apparently he's done, like, most of the videos for this band. So, not a huge fan of his films, but <laughs> uh, great videos, though. Right. Getter, what do you um what do you think about this track, House of Wolves? This song is fucking good. <laughs> well, if I if I do say so myself, <laughs> sir. <laughs> uh, now, this is a very uh, unique tone for mm-hmm. the record. I don't want to like, call it psychedelic. I don't think it is, but the atmosphere is a little bit thicker on this mm. one. I love the intro with the drums and like the screeching of feedback. Kind of sounds like an elephant. The song overall kind of has like this big top under the circus feel to it. Yeah. A little sinister. Very, very sinister. Yeah. Like walking into like a biker club or something like a, yeah, I don't belong here type deal. I think lyrically it kind of goes there too. Right. But like sinners and shit. Yeah. I think, um, I think, you know, in terms of the way the, the album has it portrayed as far as a story wise, it's like our patient is coming to terms with that. He's probably going to go to hell, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think, one of my favorite arts is the bridge, which I think we both were like super excited about. I think we were both head bobbing heavily during yeah, that moment. It's like it's kind of doing like a fucking Lincoln Park thing here, but like in a in a good way. It is. It's very classic hard rock. Like right. that moment again, like this weird bluesy hard rock influence mm-hmm. on the record, which I never used to think about when I was younger. Especially that moment, the you better run like the devil because mm. he's never gonna leave you alone. The instrumentation dropping out for that moment, letting Gerard breathe, like it's. It's so great. I think this is like uh, ties back into earlier what we're saying, like with like these more punk oriented tracks where it's like, okay, they're very momentum based. They have a nice steady chug to them. And then this track specifically, even though it's a a lot more aggressive than some of the other highlights, I think um, in terms of, okay, yes, I'm getting Gerard's vocals. They're, you know, perfect as always, but I feel like all the other elements have a really nice time to shine on this one. The drumming guitar. I feel like this is the first track that I noticed the bass 
Yeah. Where's that been? All I know. Tracks, you know? It's like still very subtle though. It is. But yeah. it kind of had a moment right. in there somewhere. I don't know if like I would actually put this song on though. Like on its own. Yeah. Neither would I. But like in the record, I'm like, fuck yeah, we're here. It feels really good when it comes on. Right. Was that track seven? Yeah. It is track yeah. seven. I don't know if I have too much more to say about it. I, I think for me, it's like very intense coming after, um, you know, the other two tracks of um, Black Parade and I Don't Love You. Yeah, especially like, after the last one. It's like you have like two really almost somber in tone and then it's like, oh yeah, we're fucking sinners, baby. We're going to hell. Like, here we go. There's a few tonal whiplashes that right. come mm. a few tracks from now. Right. The only complaint that I have about this song is when it does that little scream moment where he goes like, wow. Like continuously mm-hmm. in a row, it veers into like Buck Cherry territory for a Buck moment. Fucking Cherry, like, we, we're, it goes butt rock for like literally one second. Mm-hmm. But it was one second, so it's fine. I always oriented it, excuse me, orientated it more in terms of like a screamo band, mm-hmm. uh, like in like more into like uh, like true fucking hardcore. Mm. which god i had my fucking face they, they were they definitely laid the road for that too <laughs> they really did now that i think about it th- this probably was the start of that for me too I, I fucking i dived into like pierce the veil like you know not too long after this i had a metalcore phase <laughs> god I, I liked uh august burns red yeah day to remember day to remember devil wars prada i liked them a little bit my two were pierce the veil and um dance gavin dance but dance gavin dance was like so much jazzier than they're a quirky band they they had um they had so much more jazz i was into i've never gotten like the tough guy vibe from dance gavin dance no where, no 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 where like most other metalcore bands are like right this like heavy masculine and they're like having fun you know yeah dance gavin dance well they have too much fun they always get themselves in trouble but <laughs> <laughs> but like we've talked about it before i think but like uh yeah man it's a guilty pleasure of mine because I think on the surface, to, if you like even try to show somebody that's not even like remotely interested in like that type of music, heavier like metal music and, mm-hmm. and screamo, and that comes across like sin. <laughs> <laughs> and like to me, I'm like, oh, listen to this part. He's going to fucking, you know, uh, dive into this weird fucking uh, waterfall effect on the fucking guitar. And then <laughs> you're going to have somebody scream. And I don't know. It's like I, remember, I always um, remember you and I listened to that with uh, Dylan and Jeremiah. And like we were getting into it, and they're like, "What the fuck?" I don't is think this? they liked it. I'm like, "No, this shit is fucking cool. Don't you get it?" They have a few really great songs. Yeah, man, they've got a lot of great songs. Yeah, this is a uh, another like really beautiful track. What a track number are we on? Eight or nine? Eight. Eight. Okay, cancer. I feel like this is the first song. I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not. That I would just merely describe as good. Okay, I think I want this song to be a little bit more than what it is. Same, but also like I still really enjoy it, and I think what you said is kind of perfect because I threw this track on when I listened to the album. Um, when I recommended it, I actually hopped into this track first. Really, this is the first track. I was like, oh, I, I kind of want to like dip my toes back in. I was like, let's go to some familiar. That's my interesting choice. So, so this was the track that I picked, and I actually because I'm also really dedicated to learning piano right now, and so like this is a track that like I was like, oh, I'm in piano mode. Let's dive into the piano ballad and. When I listened to it, I was like, that was good, but I don't feel like I enjoyed it as much as I wanted to. I don't think it kind of lives up to what the predecessors have already laid down. I completely agree. The mix is still really good, though, right? 
Like it's still one hundred percent. But we also could like kind of point out that like he definitely feels like he's a little bit more auto tuned here, and I think he can kind of get away with it because the way that his vocals come across, I feel like they have like a little bit of like a shoegazy reverb on top. There's one point in one of the verses where I'm like, oh, there, it's coming through right there. I could kind of hear it. Is it auto-tune or is it like weird layering? Uh, I think it's like probably weird layering, but I don't think I don't think he can sing quite like this, to be honest with you. Like this sweet. Right. I think the layering or even... That's the thing, though. The, it sounds so close to auto-tune. Maybe they layer him and pitch him up. This is like his range, though. Yeah. Like, think about the chorus of the Black Parade, for example. Yeah, that's true. It hits such a high register. What is it that's going on with this track specifically? I don't know. I will say maybe this has something to do with it, but melodically, Paul McCartney called and he wants his song back. Yeah. Um, and I mean that in a good way, actually. It's like, it's, yeah. It's uh, mammal music. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. This is like actually like in terms of McCartneyisms, this is actually more like on the tasteful side for me. The bittersweet, tender. Yeah. It feels like a great track from Revolver or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my um, one of the reasons why I think I love it so much is that I do think while the fact that the mix is still clear and, and great, I, I do want a little bit more out of the track itself. I think the lyricism on this track is like some of my favorite, though. Like, I think that's what really saves it for me. It's the best one right. in terms of that. And, you know, it's just everybody knows somebody that's died of cancer. And so it's mm-hmm. like... I'll be, you know, it ties perfectly into our story, but I don't know. I feel like the track itself, like, again, this is with, like, I don't love you. They feel like tracks that, like, stand really well on their own Mm -hmm. outside the context of the record. They feel very classic. Right. There's something about the human spirit that comes through. Like, it's Mm -hmm. a very relatable subject. Very, very cliche, poppy almost in terms of its range to, for people to relate to it. That's okay, because I think the way that the track is set up through the band, through the way they portray music it's like okay like it's timeless in a way that still echoes true to like the genre of like emo punk and Mm -hmm. that's like really important it still works me bringing up the mccartney thing this is what i I meant i meant to tie it into the the weird vocal processing i think his vocals are processed like a 60s song like there's a weird cheapness to it like an old tiny quality and i don't know like if that's is that the intention right or like is it not good you know Mm. I also just think like his um, his vocal range comes across that way. Do you know what actually like kind of undoes the quality of the song for me? What? It's the fact that like the rest of the band joins in. Mm. Yeah. It, it really feels like this should just be Gerard and piano. Because it kind of takes, it's the same formula as I Don't Love You. And it should be less. It should be stripped back. This is like the raw, honest track. Right. And like bringing in like the big high production back into the mix yeah. like after verse one i think is when it comes in takes away the the emotion of the track a bit for me but like melodically it's great like it's, it's so good and lyrically too have you ever um listened to 21 pilots cover this i have i, I don't remember how i felt about it it's um it's produced to the point where it makes the track not good anymore that's like kind of like the the bane of that band's existence yeah like was, overdoing the production it was really really overproduced it like kind of soured my my mood because I, I went back and listened to it adjacent to this song when I listened to the track for the first time when I was coming back. Oh, really? And I was like, no. Nah. I was like, this fucking. And I already didn't have like a great first listen back. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck me. What have I done? I remember it not being great. Yeah, it's not good. The next track, though. My God, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? 
Lordy Lordy. This is a good track. Is this one of your favorites? Oddly enough, I absolutely fucking hated this song growing up. Really? Yeah, I like could never get behind it. It like kind of like freaked me out. And now I'm like, this is the one. I'm like, this is the track. This is like the this is the hardcore song. I am the complete opposite. Wow. I loved this song when this album first came out. Like this was like my favorite, probably. Wow. Or among my favorites. I don't know if I would say that I dislike the song now. There's a lot of ideas going on here that I love, but like the tone of the song, like I'm just not, I'm not there, you know? You're not vibing. You're not vibing with it, the hellscape. It, it's not hidden, like in the in the way that I want it to. Right. It's also like, again, tone of whiplash. After Cancer, this is a weird, this track list is weird overall. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's doing it for you? Like if, if this is like, like a newfound love for this track. Okay. I'm curious. What an excellent question. God, look at you, look at you fucking <laughs> Tucker Carlson over here. Fucking, uh, Never referred to me as that fucking man. Barbara Walters. What a great interview. Barbara <laughs> Walters. Isn't that her name? That is a person, yes. Isn't she a fucking interviewer? Or is that the wrong, is that the wrong person? Maybe. I don't know. Hold on. I want to be like Jon Stewart. There you go. I would rather be Jon Stewart. Barbara Walters, yeah, she's a broadcaster and an interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fucking right. I'm right, goddammit. Okay, I thought she was an actress. No, 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 no. She's a, yeah. Anyway, what's uh, working for me? I think I think I just love the tone. God, it's like ragtimey and dirty and- It and, is. And scary and- I feel like I'm walking through Land of Illusion, like a haunted house. Yeah, that's what I like. It sounds like Halloween in hell. I like it in the album because I don't think there's a lot of that in here at all and i i, I kind of like the way it comments on the fact that this guy's probably like tortured with the fact that his soul might go to the afterlife it's like what well, it has my soul earned i like how dark it is because it it kind of is a it's like it's very spiritual like it's spiritual and like a you get to see the the other end of it i feel like for me it's coming across as like theater kid instead of like theater art piece mm, really does that make sense i don't know the tone is like the band's putting on a costume instead of like really embracing maybe it's not mm. dark enough for me uh yeah because it kind of sits on the doorstep of like psychedelia yeah like you could really like open it up and I it kind of like stops it's like it's the most theatrical the album gets by right. far i think even like the strings give off the carnival yeah there's like some really funky back layering vocals like on the second verse where yeah. i think gerard's doing this like really low goofy voice where like He's doing like a Kermit the Frog thing. <laughs> not not quite that, but Kermit. <laughs> Evil Kermit. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Evil Kermit. I like that the song is in 3-4. Like the waltzy, the time signature. Like, yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. any other track so far has been off kilter. Quite right. Like this one has. When this song goes into like the doomy stone or yeah. a stoner metal riff like in the back half, yeah. that's where it gets That's me. what I like. Yeah. I love that fucking moment right there see but that's my point it's like it builds into that in a way that i think the band earns mm-hmm. because i think granted i never listened to the record that came out before three cheers so like i have nowhere to speak on this i haven't either but the band has the ability to go there and i'm sure they did the fucking garage stoner rock like i'm sure they did it oh yeah they did the like lo-fi the, the, the pink floyd droning i'm sure they did it and i i they did that on like the new track they released right like a year or two ago what was that song called foundations of decay yes that song opened up with like a pink floyd right thing hey man that's cool i'm here mm-hmm. for the more please yeah but i i think it's hard to like even like introduce that idea on this record 
Mm-hmm. So I think when I hear it, I'm like, okay, I really like it for like the flavor it's giving me, but it may not be great in the track list. I'm not hating on it like at all. I think it's a super ambitious song for the band. I'll also shout out Liza Minnelli, who does guest vocals on this track. She's the the woman that appears in the back half. Are we listening to two different songs? I don't think I've ever noticed a, a, the female Dude, vocals. A, do we need to go back for a moment? Yeah, I would absolutely love to. See what you say. Yes. Liza Minnelli, famous like kind of like opera vocalist. Mm-hmm. I know her as a character from Arrested Development. She's an actress, too. Mm. She plays Lucille 2 on Arrested Development, my favorite comedy show of all time. It's so funny going back to this record, because I didn't watch Arrested Development until years after right. I loved this album. Hearing her voice, she's a goofy fucking character on the show, and like her being like in the serious moment of this record, it's funky, you know? That would like freak me out. Like These Isn't worlds that, colliding. Right. It's Isn't weird. that like... um. When I see Brian Cranston and other media now, I'm like, you, you, <laughs> you're the, you're evil. You're, 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 there's a, there's Dude. something dirty about you. Like it, that fucking like, show stained him. Like seeing him be a nice guy. Yes. All the time. Right. It's like, no, you're like, a fucking, like, I see right through you. You're evil. <laughs> like you're fucking terrible. And so, yeah, that's like, it's, it's weird to. Like she like is on a really sinister moment right. of this song. Right. And I love that section actually. And she uh I know like you just now noticed her vocals on this track, but when the really heavy stuff comes on, like in the last thirty to forty seconds of this track, she's like doing these huge falsettos right. over that moment. And it's great. Lucille too from Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> and she's That's out here so belting her lungs out. It's great. Now all we need is um the white Schroeder from fucking office to be in the middle of a fucking Dwight Schroeder. Yeah, whatever the fuck his name is. Don't you hate that show, by the way? Um, I hated it when I tried to watch it the first time, and I would love I would love to go back and try to watch it. I probably would enjoy it much more now because I'm in corporate America and it's I a would, great show. And I would probably I would love it. I don't know. One of my favorite things about the track itself, the breaking down of the track into just fucking drone and the tempo slowly laying you back down. I'm like, absolutely. I think it's just the verses for me. I think that's the only thing I don't like. Hey, like, it's fair. The chorus rules. So catchy. Right. What was in the water wherever Gerard Way was living at the moment? Like, I know. His melody writing on this album is like out of this world. Every mm-hmm. chorus is like all time memorable shit. Right. What's going on? That is strange to think about. I never like what's really weird about him is that they just fucking fell off the face of the earth. They should have been like the next big band, it felt like. Right. What happened? I don't know, man. Why did they break up? I actually don't know much about their breakup. I wanted to go see them in concert mm-hmm. and then they broke up. I was like, maybe I'll go next year. Cause I was like, just getting to the age where I was like, oh, I can go like, I can go see music live. And this was like right after Danger Days came out, and I was like, maybe if, maybe next year if they're still on tour, I'll go go watch them. And then it was like, yeah, they broke up. And it was like around my birthday. I was like, fuck, damn. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that I have seen them? No, I don't think so. Maybe you have. Uh, I never told you that. Uh, I saw them in 2011. It was after like the time where I was like kind of over them. Really? They were the second band playing. They were opening up for Blink-182. Yeah. And then the band that opened, like, the the third band on that bill was Manchester Orchestra. They were, like, kind of who I was there to see. Even though they played during the day, and they played, like, six songs. They were the opening, opening band. 
Is um is fucking Gerard Way in the Umbrella Academy? Like Resident Evil? No, like um Or is that like a superhero thing? It's like a Netflix show. Did you ask if he's if he's in it? I don't think he's an actor. He has a cameo. He has a cameo in Oh, okay. It was so small that he actually Never mind. This is so stupid. Fucking during the studio sessions of the MCR's fourth and final Danger Days, it was reportedly when when the pressure significantly weighed down on the band. They had felt it as soon as they dropped the Black Parade. When things started to succeed and go really well, that's when a, a lot of people start to have the have an opinion, and that's when you run into struggle. You get caught up in this trap of is it ever going to be good enough? Everybody had a fucking opinion about MC, what MCR should be, so it made it difficult to figure out what direction to take next. Hmm. We definitely get offers to reunite. It's a constant thing. It's flattering. It's really nice of people. I don't know. I just it just doesn't look like. I think they probably just felt the pressure and decided to step away. It kind of feels like they really peaked with this record, like really early in the career. And they may have, you know. It feels like their sophomore record, but it's not. Yeah. And, and it's like okay. And you know, I think they might still be recording music. Maybe we only get that track for a couple of years, and then we get like three or four. But like, they end up making music after Danger Days. They released a couple of singles. Yeah, there was like a run of um, little EPs that came out. Yeah, like, Olivia listens to these songs all the time. Yeah, they're still good. They sound like the album that should have came after right this. Right after, right? They're among like the best songs that this band has. Right, like some of those EP tracks, which is strange. Like, why wasn't that an album? I don't know, man. I would be really happy if they came back and they were like, okay, we're older now. Let's just fucking dive into the deep end and like be grungy and, and droney and go nowhere but everywhere at the same time. I and, would love that. And I would. But if they don't ever make music again, they don't, they don't, you know, that's life, man. I think even with the small discography they have, they, they've kind of etched out their path in music history. Two of my least favorite tracks back to back here. Sleep, one of your least favorites. Yeah, so Sleep. Uh, I, first, I think what really turns me off is like you get like 10 to 15 seconds of like the same weird pre-recorded. I get these terrors and like, keep, yeah, it's like this repetition. It like cornballs the shit out of the song. I like that moment. <laughs> and this, sir, we, we were going to we were on a split paths here. I know we were on a vibe and now we're gone. <laughs> we were mortal enemies. Yes. Now. now, now he wants to do battle to the death. Let's do it. All right. Um. <laughs> for this track at least yeah for two, for three minutes here yeah i don't know why like it fucking rubs me the wrong way i think very similarly similarly to the way you probably feel about some of the moments on like mama where to me i'm like mm. that's my favorite part the theatrics right this is like not theatric this is like i'm not even sure what i would describe this as like this found footage type deal it reminds me of just when people put voicemails on our fucking songs like yeah hey yo marcus give me a call back when you get this that's a cliche like Bo Burnham parodied that beautifully in uh, either Inside or like the outtakes from Inside. God, I forgot we talked about that. We talked about that on we this did. fucking podcast. Like a year or more is ago. It, is it bad that I'm starting to forget podcasts that we did? Yes. I'm like when, when I remember everything. When someone talks to me about a, a movie and I go in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I fucking talked about that for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> like I forgot I did that. <laughs> I get it. I edit these things. Yeah, God man. damn it. I'll admit, this song is like one of the most regular things it is on so the album. fucking regular. And the only thing they do to make it stand out is this like audio snippet at the beginning mm -hmm. with this like piano underneath the, this voicemail, this guy speaking about something. When I was a kid, I actually thought he was talking about terrorists. Mm. Like these terrorists 
Because you had that George Bush in you. <laughs> you was a little worried. This, this was that era. <laughs> yep. To be fair. <laughs> that fucking Bush era, baby. And MCR formed the day after 9-11, and I knew that at the time. So I was like... Ah, uh, yeah. I was like, there's something going on here. A conspiracy. <sighs> fucking you, Alex Jones the shit. <laughs> Whatever the 2007 version of that was. They're fucking crisis actors, I tell you. <laughs> there's, there's nothing astonishing going on about this track, but I think... The chorus is fucking great. And like that's what's doing it for me. The and only part do it all. Yeah, I dude. The only thing I think that's redeeming about this track for me is the guitar. And like I love the the refrain that we get to like close out the track. It feels like we're descending down a, a like a, a staircase. And I don't know. I think the tone is like when they lean into the heavy distortion, I'm still there for it. But yeah, I think that may be kind of one of the reasons why I don't particularly love the track because i feel like it kind of gets blended and, and muddled down in the mix even though mm-hmm. like it's not like super overwhelming it's, it's just like, like just loud though yeah it, the the distortion on top of what i think like has been a majority of like in the back half of the record is a lot of like clean reverb stuff that reminds me of like ghost of you off of three cheers like you know mm-hmm. this is very similar to right. that but and, lesser right it feels like one of the tracks that I think could easily slip into another record. No problem. Mm. Like, it's a slotted song. I agree. I won't fight to the death on that track. I think what does it for me is the track that follows. And so, it, like, it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. Yes. Teenagers. I don't know why. The, why was this song popular? It fucking sucks. This, well, because it's teenagers and it's about them and it's on the fucking names on it. This kind of feels like the most commercially important song. Like... It was the most important in establishing their target the, audience, the rock radio right. audience. Like this was the one that reached out more, I think. Oh, this is definitely the most popular song. This is their most popular song. Is it? Yes. It, this song that has is fucking weird shit. Isn't it? I hate that. Yeah. It's their, it's the, it's the number one song. It leads right in front of welcome to the black parade. What? That's why I fucking hate it too. Cause it's fucking ass. But you know what? I loved this song when I first, owned the album did you i've hated it from day one you didn't you never I like for, this one I for real i've hated this song since day one and i think i just had basic taste at the time i'm still coming off my corn run around the time this came out <laughs> your fucking corn run <laughs> was that right did corn come right after limp biscuit yes <laughs> yeah. well it, i fucking it, love it dude that's it, amazing it went limp biscuit trapped yeah. Corn disturbed Lincoln Park ish. That's like kind of a melding of bands right there. Right. And then good stuff started happening after yeah. that. Fuck yeah. You know? I got introduced to uh, Disturbed after My Chemical Romance <laughs> when I was like 14, and it was cool when I was 14. It was yeah. fucking cool. I hate Disturbed. I fucking hate them. Yeah, they're fucking. They're up there. I really did love this song, though. I remember when this first started getting radio play, it felt like a betrayal to me. Like, the the deep cut song on the album. You're like, I have been unsheathed to the world. I'm fucking... (laughs) It was mine, but it was given to somebody else. You know? The adults want to play with my action figures kind of thing. It's like, this is fucking bullshit. Yes. It's like a... You know the song Riot by Three Days Grace? Do I? It's my... I walk down the aisle to that song. (laughs) 
Okay, well, I liked them too. Right. Back in the day. Yeah. Riot was like the teenagers off that record. Let start. The, don't don't just say that because you're gonna get me going. It was the deep cut, like third or fourth single. Like I own the record already. Then the song gets released as a single, mm. and then like the song that I loved has been ruined. You know? Right. I hate uh, that. What no makes one, no wonder you fucking like Radiohead. That's where it all started. You're like, I must hide it. I must find something <laughs> I can hide away. Like, like fucking Gollum. <laughs> fucking Lord of the Rings. My whole life's been like a fucking <laughs> charade. That's amazing. This whole time I've been hiding the fact I love corn. Hey, isn't that what we do, though? We're like, ooh, I found, I found something shiny. I hope no one else finds it. That's what we do with music. We feel like we own it. In terms of this track, what makes it not work? Oh, I just think it's like the most plain song. Like, I think Sleep is plain. I think this is the most plain song on the entire record. I just think it sucks. I think this actually has more character than Sleep. But like in a, bad, sure. in a bad way, though. Yeah, like, because I think tonally for the, like, okay, we're teenagers, teenagers cause a ruckus, ha ha ha. And then it's just like not a very developed song. So it just like comes off like really fucking immature on like what otherwise is like kind of like a, really raw record mm. in terms of like emotion for the for the band that's not like immature pent-up feelings you know what i mean i mean don't get me wrong there's still some of that it's fucking emo punk but it's a more matured vision this track just like kind of like undoes all of that for me and i i hate that it sits on the record because i don't think any of the instrumentation like echoes anything worthy this is so isolated right what is it doing here I don't know. Like, is I think this, it's boring. Is this like record label pressure? Y'all got this song in, in the vault and it's catchy. It has to go on the record. This track has like a weird Western bluesy, like line dance thing going. Yeah. Like everybody line up and like do like a fucking square dance or something. Right. Like it, it's not right for this band. No, I don't know. It just comes off really immature and I really fucking hate it. I, I hated it when it came out and I still do. Thumbs down. Last couple here. Disenchanted. God, this has been so fun. Um, Disenchanted. You know, I'm like still not like super crazy about this track, but mm. it's not that I don't like it or it's not that I don't respect it as a good track because I think it is a really great mm. song. It doesn't have as much character as many of the other tracks. Of course, but it is also a stripped down acoustic guitar song. Yes. Uh, I love this one. Yeah. Actually, I really fucking love this right. one. And I expected you to. I don't know what it is the last year or so, but I've like really become enamored just by like regular ass pop songwriting and like a good Excuse melody me. does it for me most of the time right. now. As much as I love weird shit, if I sat down and was able to write three minute melodic pop songs for the rest of my life, I'd be right. so happy. That's kind of what speaks to me in a weird way. Ah, my friend, you are over the age of 30, so I know it's coming. Dude, I love Paul McCartney. I love me granny shit, you know? <laughs> I love it, man. No apologies for that. Hey, man. You know, I think um, as I'm getting a little older, I'm starting to appreciate songs that are, like, structured a little bit more generic. But And it's not that, like, uh, I want generic fucking radio hits, but it's like, no, no I, want, I want... Sometimes it's nice to have a nice, tight, emotional melody that has, like, a slight uplifting beat to it. Like, it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom fucking... Yes. But don't get me wrong, I'll listen to 12 minutes of fucking a, 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 a French horn and a guitarist go back and forth. And so will I. And yeah. me and you would gush about it for like 10 minutes. And we'd be like, this is the peak human experience right here. <laughs> I think to me, like, this is the folksiest that the band will ever sound. 
I agree. I'd, I'd be really interested in like my chemical romance being like a fucking folk band at some point, like because fucking Panic did it with um, what's it called? Uh, uh, pretty odd. Pretty odd. That was like the. That's a pretty fucking odd record. Their their Beatles album, I guess. I actually like that record a lot. That's I don't like Panic at the Disco, but I think that's the best thing they ever did. And there's some really great songs on that. Record. Yeah, I like North and Downpour, like that Green Gentleman. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good one. There's too. some catchy ass songs. Oh God, we're gonna we're gonna relive life here tonight we're, we're going back in time um yeah man i figured this would be one that you loved yeah but it's it's like the same thing as sleep like there's nothing remarkable about it like it's just solid yeah you know? I, and i like the i like the theme of, of the track itself of just yeah. like reminiscing on like really plain jane shit mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're doing right now funny enough we're doing that a lot tonight can we move on to our uh our closer famous last words yeah Austin, I, I think you love this song right? i do I do. It kind of goes on a little too long at the end, I think. But it's also like it's a great closing track. It is. Like, even though it does go on forever and ever and ever, and like it's it's fine. But it's like it does feel like the marching band has like walked through town, and this is the last song they're playing, like into the fucking sunset. Yeah. I don't know. It and it feels good for the album to like we're gonna leave you on this high note and we're gonna walk away. How many times on this podcast do we sit there and go, it was a really, really, really good record. I loved everything about it. And then like the last two tracks, I'm like, why the fuck did we end here? We've seen that many times. Like it is a running theme for many of the records that we like. And they were like, there's this one thing that I cannot forgive. And it's the fact that I feel like if we're going to have sex, we might as well finish. I don't know. Let's just stick it in there for 15 minutes and call it a day. Like, <laughs> let's fucking let's 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 put a fucking a ribbon on this and, and send it out the door. Like not a lot. That doesn't happen very often. This is a de facto ending song. Correct. For the record. Are you going to hate me if I say that I don't love this song like now? Okay. I did. I was obsessed with this song yeah i mean i was too i think the reason why it still works for me is because it feels good on the album it's mm-hmm. not like the most amazing song in the world though i think it does have a, a little bit of the inklings earlier where like there is like a, a really long dynamic mix going on here from, yeah. from idea to idea but also i think you know it, it's, it's a little bit more plain lyrically and that's okay i think the song kind of sounds like it, just one long refrain like it, it's, mm. it's, it's an epilogue track yeah that's true I can't even say that I have a, a confident argument against any one single element in the song. Melodically, it's solid. The production's good. It hits that thematic note that the record kind of deserves at the end of this thing. I think the repetition of the track, uh, like the repeated choruses, like you said, it goes too long. Like there, there's a lot of choruses. Like right. It repeats itself a lot on this one. I think over the years, like hearing this song many times, like I've heard the chorus many, many times. I'm desensitized to this track. Right. You ever listen to a song so much that it becomes like happy birthday? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that sucks. That's right? fair. Yeah. This it, is this is kind of like that for me. That's like the worst thing because a song will be really cool to me for two weeks and then it's done. I'm like, I have lived with you for two weeks. You have nothing more to provide. It's like a one night stand. Yeah. That last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's some people never get off that train. <laughs> like when when the riff rips through on this right. one, it's so badass. Yeah, but it like, is a badass closer. But I feel nothing now. It's okay. I squeezed the fuck out of the juice out right. of this song at one point in my right. life. Like I don't know if I can get it back, which is weird. But it doesn't mean it's a bad song. No, it's not. Right, it's a great song. Exactly. Actually. 
It's okay. I That's where it stands for me at 30 years old. <laughs> God. Yeah. I feel like this is the last yeah. time. This might be one of the last times in your life that you could ever appreciate this record, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, Probably. You might it, be like, it's going to keep getting farther away from me. Right. It's going to keep getting farther away from you, too. I know. Yeah. But like, I like it. I like it right here, where it's at right now. I've enjoyed returning to it 100%. What do you think you would give it? Mm, okay. Uh, strong 8.5 to light 9. This stands so far ahead of any other act in the genre at the time, any other album, at a time where everybody wanted to do American Idiot. <laughs> this is that time. Fuck yeah. And My Chemical Romance did American Idiot, but like way better. They were just so far ahead of everybody else, melodically, conceptually. I'm comfy with an, a light nine on this one. I'm like actually like in full agreement. I was going to say like a really strong eight and a half, like eight and a half, no problem. Like you've earned that. And it, I think it sits on the precipice of like a nine. Definitely not like a masterpiece, 10 out of 10 record. Like I, I do think that like the moments on this record that shine are like some of the best moments in terms of like the band's range. And they kind of peak here as a band. And like, that's nice to witness. It's okay that they, they didn't fucking knock it out of the park with like every single piece of music here. But you know, I think mm-hmm. they, they really leaned heavy on some tracks. I feel like they tie really well into like three cheers, maybe just a slight step above, but still not different enough to remember to be able to differentiate. Mm-hmm. And then you have moments where I think that are somber and soft and really elevate the the band into what I think Gerard vocally is made for, which is like stuff like Queen and, and Bowie, like stuff that's operatic. Yeah. And theatrical. It's expressive and creates very, very, very strong imagery. And it's not just fucking blood and gore and fuck you and fuck me and we're all going <laughs> to die. Like three cheers. And this is much more mature. Right. For sure. And I, even though, and not to mention like these fucking guys looked cool as fuck when they were doing it. Like all of the costume design and music videos, I'm like, these are the coolest motherfuckers on earth right now. Do you know who like worked on these costumes? Uh-uh. The same guy that works with Tim Burton yeah, on his stuff. Of like, course. That checks out. Yeah, yeah, man. Like I'm like, this was the coolest piece of media at the time like it Mm. wasn't just like an album it was like the music videos the story conceptually involved with it like and then not to mention like the fact that the the music videos ran on mtv and it was like when they were on like on like this this is that dying era of mtv and like these music videos would get played dude i remember we what was those channels like vh1 vh1 and yeah and views yeah and man that was a the coolest shit like, oh, I love those channels growing up. You know, getting to see this band flesh out something like a little bit larger than the band itself. You know, that feels good. I'm glad we returned to it. It kind of feels like this can't ever happen again. It's so weird. I meant to bring this up earlier, but Reprise Records, their label, must have had so much faith in them after Three Cheers to the degree where they gave them like movie quality. The PR behind this album right. is insane. I mean, they fucking blew up. Like into a phenomenon. Like no, nobody else had that. Like yeah. Green Day didn't get that. No. Some forty one, Blink, uh, brand new, Taking Back Sunday, Yellow Card, all these adjacent bands. No. MCR like had like the theater aspect going like way yeah. harder. And I, I don't know. They were like definitely they have more of a pop appeal because like also like I'm sure Liv was like Gerard Way is the hottest guy to ever walk the earth. 
she's never said that to me, but you can it's you there can, in the subconscious, I bet. You can infer what she was like. Yes. Like, yes. Absolutely. And, and dude, I had my stepsister growing up, all she cared about was boy bands and stuff. Like I mean, so so did Elizabeth. I mean, One Direction and all that shit. Yeah. But they were I the, get it. they were the fucking boy band for Goth kids. Goth kids, yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. But, but it worked. This is a great record. I'm glad we returned to it. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Piss break. I am interested in the direction you shall take us. All right. White boy spiel time. <gasps> Let's hear it. Okay. So due to like the infrequency of our meetups, these recordings nowadays, yes. I am pulling my horror movie card Ooh, early. Yeah. Just so I can get it out in time for October. Yes. This is actually a film that I haven't seen. Okay. A little bit of a horror comedy. It's actually the second installment in a series where you have not seen the first installment. But it doesn't matter because this film is actually kind of a remake of the film it's a sequel to, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I know where we're taking this. This is from the director that brought us the OG Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, And it is the film starring Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I heard this movie is really fun. Yeah. And I heard it has very inventive cinematography and a weird tone. I don't think I could ever watch this without you recommending it. And I'm super fucking hyped. I've seen the first Evil Dead and I didn't like it, but it like wasn't the movie that Sam Raimi meant to make. Like mm. Evil Dead 2 is the script for the OG Evil Dead. Really? But he couldn't get it made that way. Uh, so he made a generic guy goes to cabin and like fights off zombies movie. And then he was able to make Evil Dead 2 and he just, just remakes the beginning of that movie. And like it works. I think he refers to it as a, a requel. Yeah. You know? It's a sequel and remake at the same time. That's weird. It is very weird. But I like it. I'm uh, excited. I heard this movie is so much fun. I so. can't wait to talk about Sam Raimi. Fuck yeah. Okay, man. I love the horror shots he does, like in OG Spider-Man. You've opened me up into horror films in a way that I don't think I could ever approach. You, like, talk me down off the ledge because I'm like, as soon as someone's <laughs> like, you want to watch a horror movie? I'm like, I'd rather hang myself. Thank you. <laughs> I used to be the same way, too. The good ones are like the best ever. Right. But everything else is like sucks. Throw it to the side, you know? To me, I always view horror as this is the most generic, plain, easy to make bullshit yes. 99% of the time. Blumhouse, like the grudge. Yeah. Ouija. Yeah. That kind of shit. I'm out. No, I'm, I'm not interested in that shit. I want truly thrilling, atmospheric, no jump scares type stuff. Right. And, uh, I don't know if this is that, but it's going to be a lot of practical effects, gore. It's going to have weird f- comedy of a nice flavor to it. That'll be fun to yes. to put in next to a horror genre. And I'm intrigued by like if I'm going to like this. We've never, you know, yeah, I, I neither have no seen it. Yes. All right, hell yeah, dude, this is going to be sick. That was fun. That I was hope so. the most fun I've had in a, in a very long time. Same. Yeah, man, that's a wrap. I think we did it. I'm going to call it quits. If you could do me a favor and um, just uh, sign us off. Adios. Adios.